Uh, good morning, and uh, there's a lot of new people here. I just want to introduce myself. My name is Rich, and I'm the family pastor here at Linworth. And, um, you know, I was, I was thinking uh, this morning, I do think every once in a while, but uh, for those of you especially that are new, my family and I were from San Diego, and uh, we used to chuckle about two things that, um, uh, that just kind of was, when we got here, were, were strange to us. And the first one is that everybody talks about the weather every single day in every single conversation that you have. And so, you know, it used to just drive us crazy. It wasn't, hi, you know, how are you doing? The weather, boy, it's going to be changing. You know, watch out. It could be different in 10 minutes. So we had us all the time. And um, you know what? Now, I can't shut up about the weather. I mean, that's, I'm talking about the weather this morning. Every Sunday morning, we, t- we talk about the weather. And, you know, I, I got my app now. I check it all the time. I look at the two-day forecast, the three-day forecast, the 10-day forecast, and it's nuts. And, uh, you know, in San Diego, you can't even get the weather app on your phone. You can't get it. There's no reason to get the weather app. I mean, hmm, let me check. 75 degrees, oh, well, you know, mm, mm. 10-day forecast. Oh, look, there's a 74. In oh, better get the colts out. It's getting cold. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I kid you not, though, I was, I was thinking about this last night because that's just me. I'm in the middle of prepping for my message, and I'm thinking about the weather. Okay, so it's getting really bad. And so what do I do? I said, hmm, let's see what's going on in San Diego. Saturday, okay, 75 degrees and clear. Now, you do notice they're going to get a little chilly coming up. So, But uh, anyways, I thought that was hilarious. But the other thing was, um, you know, and, and it's about the, the Buckeyes, right? Everybody talked about the Buckeyes, and it just drove me crazy. And, uh, but, I know, a moment of silence. <laughs> Can I tell you, I was bummed yesterday. It, it got to me. I was a little upset that they lost, and... Uh, um, so anyways, I guess I should like them. I think they've kind of become my team, unless they're playing USC. And both my kids are going there, so I guess I, I should, uh, should root for them. But uh, anyways, if this is your first morning here with us, um, uh, we're going to be studying for 1 Corinthians. And I wanted to just stop for just a second. Um, many of you know uh, Ruthie, uh, the Lundquists, um, and have been praying for um, her, she is a, a little girl, five years old. Uh, she, this past two weeks, she's had two liver transplants. The first one didn't take, the second one. And uh, this morning, um, she was having some seizures. And uh, the liver's working very well uh, at this point, but she's now, she's been kind of not responsive, and she's kind of coming out of it somewhat. So I just wanted to make sure, I know a lot of you are praying, maybe you haven't got that information, but if not, if we could uh, lift little Ruthie up to you. Her parents are part of our college group here. They got married uh, uh, here, and uh, so we just, uh, just remember Ruthie and lift her up in your prayers. Okay, let me get going here. Uh, we're studying through 1 Corinthians, and we are in chapter 3, and the title of this message is Taking Stock. Now, I'm not sure I really like the title that I chose, but we're going to go with it anyways, um, so let's see what happens. But uh, I have a job for you this morning. Uh, what I would like for you to do as we work through this talk and this section of scriptures, I want you to be thinking about your life, okay? Thinking about your life, specifically your spiritual life or your walk with the Lord. Yes, I'm going to be asking you to take stock 
of your spiritual life. And so through this section of Scripture and some of chapter 2, Paul, the author of this letter here, he isolates three types of people that I want you to think about and decide if you fit into any of these three types of people. I want you to be taking stock of your life by listening to who these people are and seeing where you might um, land. We will then, we're going to walk through the first set of verses in the chapter to define and find out what's going on a little bit with the Corinthians, and then we're going to relate to them um, ourselves here in the 21st century to those uh, there at that time. And ultimately, it's going to lead us to talking about transformation, uh, how and why it does or doesn't take place in our lives. So, and, and so we're going to take a look at that as we move through. All right, let's begin. Can you agree with me with, in general about this statement? Usually, everything healthy grows. It's a, it's a general general principle. Growth is usually a mark of health. Now, whether it be in a child, most of us, if we have children, we do the old uh, measure how tall they grow, right? Everybody has a, a door post somewhere that you're marking it all the time. Or if you don't have children, when you were a little one, you're marking. And, and God forbid anybody paint over those. You know, if that happens, if dad paints over those things, he's pretty much dead. But, um, but there's growth. And so if, if that child all of a sudden stops growing and that mark is not going up, then there, there could be something wrong. But they usually do keep growing. Now, some of us, eventually, all of us, as we get older, we tend to start going the other direction, don't we? We start shrinking, and we're not quite as tall. But, uh, but think about a plant. If it's being fed, if it's not neglected, if it's getting enough nutrients, and it's getting sunlight, it inevitably is going to grow. Well, this principle is equally relevant to a Christian's spiritual growth. The mark of a healthy Christian is that we grow in our faith. We just don't stay stagnant. Something is happening with us. Sticking with the plant metaphor here, Colossians 2.7 says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now that's the kind of Christ followers that we want to be. And I suspect most of us desire to be that type uh, of a Christ follower. Healthy people whose roots grow deep, were built up in him, were established in the faith. When we first become a Christian, there is a, a thirst, there is a desire. We want to learn. It's fascinating. Take yourself back there. Uh, when our Creator takes residence in us by the Holy Spirit, we thirst after God's truth. We want to know more about Him. Our spiritual eyes at that time, uh, who have been clouded before, be, kind of become opened, and we begin to understand God's Word. It begins to make sense to us. We read. Uh, we begin to tell others. We're excited about what has happened in our life. Growth is taking place. Another word that we might use for this, or what happens when Jesus takes up resonance in our lives is transformation. We are being transformed. Transformed, excuse me. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, so growth. Now the opposite is true. Sadly, the mark of an unhealthy Christian is what we might call stunted growth or we would call stalled growth. Now, for those of you that have children, sometimes 
You ever notice sometimes they kind of get stuck in a stage of life and they don't seem to be moving? And uh, this kind of happens a little bit more with boys. If you have a boy and they grow up, uh, you know, there's some stages that they just say, is, is he ever going to grow up? Uh, the, the little girls, they seem to have a little bit better, you know, easier time of moving through their, their stages or that. But even now in our spiritual lives, God seems, uh, dis, excuse me, or as we think about this in our own lives, some of us have gotten stuck at one time or another. Uh, I have, and I know that you have. And so in our spiritual lives, in, when we're in this stuck stage, sometimes God seems distant. We're just not engaging with him. You know, we're here on a Sunday morning, and we're checking our clock, and when is this going to get done? All right, whatever it might be, there's so many things going through our mind. We feel lost or dull. We're just going through these motions. And has this ever happened to you? Can anybody relate? Yeah, lots of nodding heads. Sure you can. It happens to everybody. The reality is that for most of us, as it relates to our spiritual lives, at one time or another, we're going to get stuck. Well, this can happen not only as individuals, but it can happen with a church too. And that seems to be what has happened here with the the Corinthians. As we take a look at this beginning uh, part of chapter 3 here, we're going to see that this Corinthian church is kind of stuck. So look at, uh, if you're using our Pew Bibles, it's page 953, and we're going to read through uh, verses 1 through 11. So chapter 3, I'll give you a second to get there. It begins, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollo? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so we know that when Christ gets a hold of a person's life or a, a church's is life, transformation automatically begins to take place. Scripture teaches us that our, our sins are forgiven as we repent. Grace and mercy is, 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 is put upon us. It is shown in our lives, and, and our lives are made new, and we are being transformed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away, and the new has come. Now, the New Living Translation uh, says it this way. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. God wants to grow us, 
and he wants to make us like him. Another word that's used for transformation, it's not quite the same. Um, we won't get, get into it. It's sanctification. Uh, God making us like him. Uh, if you want, you can take our Fully Alive class and learn about what sanctification is. If you want, it'll be coming up another time, and we'll announce when that is. But he wants to change us and to make us more like him. But here's the thing. There are seasons when this transformation, for whatever reason, it just seems to stall. Sometimes it's a very subtle thing, and we find ourselves there. Other times we just hit a brick wall, and, and it just seems to stop. And as believers, we, we have this new standing with God, but then our life in, in the world, as, as we look at it, it begins to not reflect God in us. It begins to more reflect like nothing has really happened in our life. Now, this has happened uh, in my life, and probably the most significant time that this happened in my life was, it was somewhat as a, as a young believer. Uh, just for a little bit of my, uh, of my story, I was raised Catholic, a good Italian boy, and, um, and there just kind of came a time when I was going to church, and, um, and I was seeking, and I just wasn't getting answers. Things were a little confusing to me, so I began to ask some questions. My questions weren't answered. They didn't seem to line up with, even at that time, what I had read uh, in God's Word. And um, so I started uh, connecting with some people in high school, and one of them, of course, was uh, my wife, Erin, who we met in high school as freshmen, and and, uh, you know, they had a little bit different thing going on with their faith than I did. And so that was attractive to me. And I, I started going to a church and going, they had uh, concerts. And, and there, eventually, I, I, I prayed to receive Christ. I, I, I understood things. I figured things out the best that I could. And I prayed to receive Christ. And so I was, you know, every week we'd go to this church. And, 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 uh, and I was growing. And then things kind of kind of seepingly, I don't know what it was, but I started pulling a little bit away, you know, from God. And eventually we made it to college. And I really stalled there. I wasn't growing. I was really going through the motions. And, and uh, you know, I finally hit a crossroads. And, and that crossroads involved a real kick to the gut. And that kick to the gut was that um, I was dating Aaron. Uh, we dated for like six years. Don't recommend it. Um, I know, really, huh? And uh, she said, you know, I'm not sure that we want to, you know, I want to continue with you. I, I mean, she was involved in a great Christian group at San Diego State. And um, I, I don't know if you can, you know, lead me if you don't seem to be following after Christ. And, um, and for me, God used that to, to step back and go, you know, I, I really am not. And so it caused me to seek God and to, and to pray and get before him and just ask the the Holy Spirit to just work on me and bring me close to Him. And, and so uh, through that, things changed dramatically, and I began walking strongly with the Lord. And I, I was going on campus. I was sharing my faith. I remember giving a testimony in a cafeteria at Cal State Fullerton, nicknamed Cal State Disneyland, because you can see the Matterhorn from there. But, um, and giving my testimony, and I was fellowshipping, and it was, it, was, it was great. And so that was my time. I hit that wall. Uh, transformation stopped, but then there was something that restarted it. So. so back to the Corinthian church. Here's the thing with the Corinthian church. Paul knew that the ongoing transformation 
had stalled in the lives of the Corinthian believers. It was painfully evident. He was getting reports, and so he's writing these letters to them because he's got to respond. He's got to help them. He can't be there. He knew that his friends were struggling as a young church. He loved these guys. So unfortunately, the Corinthians were anything but healthy. They weren't grown as far as their spiritual lives were concerned. And Paul loved these guys. He planted this church on his second missionary uh, journey. He spent a year and a half with them. And so at times we can see his frustrating frustration starting kind of in chapter 1, accompanied by this deep love for my pray for you all the time. And here in chapter 3, Paul then very directly confronts the Corinthian church as to what their spiritual condition was. And he wrote a tough letter to them about the nature of what the gospel should be doing in their lives and how it should be lived out and what changes should be happening and what should be going on. But as you read this letter, you can almost hear hear him say, guys, you know, what the heck is going on with you? What what, what, What has happened to you? You have everything. You have God's word. I taught you. Apollos, an eloquent speaker and bringer of God's word, has been with you. It's been five years. Had they grown at all, or were they going backwards? Did they understand how God's economy works, how his kingdom grows, what the players' roles were in God's kingdom, the pastors, the servants, and on what were they building their foundation on? So in Paul's strong but loving questions, he's challenging the Corinthians to examine themselves. In other words, to take stock, to see if course corrections were needed uh, in their lives. And there was course corrections that were indeed needed. The truth is, is that in many ways, not much has changed with each generation of the church. The same questions that Paul asked of the Corinthians are good questions for us to ask ourselves as individuals and then also as a church to assess, to take stock of where we are and what our understanding is of how God grows us and how he builds his church and how much do we look like him or how much do we look like the world. So this church in in Corinthians, they're stalled out, they're stuck. So let's see how Paul diagnoses this and how he instructs them. And in this process, as I asked earlier, I want you to begin thinking of yourself, taking stock of your life. Turn inward a little bit. I want to invite you to begin thinking of your spiritual life as we uh, quickly as we can explain what's going on here. We're going to talk about three different categories of people found in chapter 2 and 3. And I want you to ask yourself, which one of these three types of persons might I fit into? And the first person is called the natural person, okay? The natural person. We meet him in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, which says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So this would be someone who basically, we would say, is not a Christ follower yet, is not saved. And, and maybe that's you here this morning. You're here because you're, you're curious, perhaps, or you've been thinking about God. God has been drawing you, uh, but you haven't got to that place where you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So that would be Uh, considered a natural person. Second, there is the spiritual person. We find him in 
in uh, verse 15, also in verse 6. In verse 6, he's called a mature person. And this is somebody who knows the things of God. He understands the things of the Spirit. He is controlled by the Holy Spirit such that he can receive and take in and understand and value biblical truth. Last week, Chris talked about this, being able to understand uh, the secret hidden wisdom of God, which is the fullness of the whole of the gospel message and its impact. The spiritual person, uh, and they were able to understand what the gospel, what this mystery was all about. It wasn't confusing. It wasn't a mystery to them. It was truth revealed to them because they were walking with Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were able to understand. So maybe you see yourself here as spiritual. And if so, that's great. That's great. And third, there's a group of people in between whom Paul uh, calls in verses 1 through 4. Uh, they're not spiritual and they're not natural, but they are fleshy or fleshly. It's hard to say. I don't I want to say fishy. <laughs> they're just fishy. No, they're fleshly. <laughs> okay. Another word that's used in some of your other uh, versions of the Bible is called carnal. Um, and he even relates them and calls them uh, perhaps babes in Christ. These are the ones which we've been introduced to uh, today. It's a person who knows the things of God, yet in some ways he's still characterized by the flesh. Somebody put it this way. The carnal Christian is a child of God, born again, and on his way to heaven, but he's traveling third class. For some reason, there is a stalling in his life. Now, to help you clarify just a little bit, there's a difference be, uh, between being fleshy and being fleshly. You got that? Fleshy and fleshly. There's two different Greek words used in this, in this, in this, you know, one through four here. Okay, fleshy is is means simply made of flesh. Our we are made and born of flesh. It's our basic human condition. Uh, it can speak of the weakness that is common to every fallen human, sin in us, and, and so that is made of flesh. Fleshly, when used of a person, means characterized by the flesh, not necessarily the flesh, but characterized by the flesh. Okay? It speaks of the one who can and should do differently, but does not. Paul says that the, the Corinthians, they were fleshly. Okay? So how does Paul characterize them? Well, Kind of ouchy. Paul is a pretty direct guy. And um, basically he says, you guys are acting like babies. You're acting. You're not acting mature at all of who you should be or infants in Christ. He says that I can't call you mature. I want to talk to you. I want to instruct you. I want you to be growing, but I can't call you mature. I I can't call you spiritual. I have to call you infants in Christ or I have to treat you this way. And so what I want us to really under, understand is that these are stalled out believers here in Corinth. And, and not good things are happening. Bad grammar, but you know what I mean. So the Holy Spirit presence in their lives should have made it obvious and made them differently visible than the world and the city which was atrocious, that they were living in. The problem is, is those lines were getting very, very blurred. Looking at them, you'd never know that they were followers of Jesus the way they were acting or that he was their Lord. They may 
have had Christ in them. They were saved, but he was not Lord of their lives. Their actions and their attitudes were no different from the actions and attitude of those who didn't know Christ. Now, I know that some of us have been there. Some of us have just gotten to a place where we, I don't know, maybe we're just mad at God or we just don't, you know, he didn't do what we wanted him to do. We had a false understanding of who he was in our lives. And, and then we just kind of start drifting and we just kind of start doing whatever, just like the world. And, and our friends would never know that we were believers. One way to characterize them is as, uh, as worldly. Uh, one definition of that says this. Worldliness is simply buying whatever the world's philosophies are, whatever their attitudes are. And in the case of the Corinthians, continuing, it wasn't that they necessarily behaved like the world. They did do that. But that isn't the issue here. It was that they were following the world's philosophies. They were defining things in an ultimate sense by the world's definition, not God's definition. So as you stake Take stake of your, excuse me, not take the stake, but as you, <laughs> it's my stake, you can't have it. As you take stock of your life and where you are, do you see some of yourself in that, that carnal Christian? Do you see yourself there? Now, to get a little bit more sense of what Paul was saying to the Corinthians who he was calling carnal or fleshly. We're going to kind of walk through these scriptures again real quick, okay? And uh, verses uh, 1 through 11. And so we can kind of, kind of see here. He begins and he says, but I, brothers. So they are brothers and sisters in Christ. So that means that they are believers. They're Christians. Could not address you. Um, and, and a very important word in, in God's word here, it's as. I could not address you as spiritual people, which means that they have been spiritual, right? But as people of the flesh, meaning, you know, you're just like the the flesh, just like a regular, as infants, okay? Not that they were, but as infants in Christ. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food. That means what? That he has instructed them. So way back when, in the beginning, uh, years ago, he had fed them because they were just brand new believers. He fed them with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. So they weren't ready for it. And then even now, and this is where his frustration comes in, even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. This is five years later. For a while there is jealousy, and this is, the, this is how he knows it. There's jealousy and strife among you. Are, if, excuse me, for a while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Are you just acting like a human, like everybody else, and not the spiritual person that you were called to be? And then he kind of tells them how he comes up with this. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? And, and basically, you know, those are pastors of that time, in essence. Um, what they are, they are just servants. And that's all we are as, as, as pastors and elders here in the church. We, we are, are servants, okay, Th- through, whom, through whom you believe. So they, that God just uses us and uses you, but in, in our capacity here, um, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. So basically, we're nothing. 
That causes nothing. We're not anything, but only God who gives uh, the growth. So the servants, us, okay, we're nothing. So think about that. They're fighting about, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. I'm of Peter. So if they are nothing, then who's the greater of them, right? I mean, it was just a silly thing that they were doing. Paul's trying to and tell them, look, your, your allegiance, what you're thinking, the way you think of life, you've gone backwards, okay? It is all Christ Jesus. It is God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And so we see him begin to, to direct them, to, to help them understand, you know, what they're talking about. Somebody put it this way. Uh, or at least you get the idea here. From start to finish, the life-changing process in which we, uh, the pastors uh, uh, in, in a person's life, are just a, a tool, just an instrument in God's doing. You, you are just an instrument that God is using. Uh, God loves us, and it's a wonderful to be his instrument. Um, but it is God who wrote the book. He's the one that touches life. He's the one that motivates people to obey. He empowers his servants. And so he's trying to tell these guys, look, just Get away from who you think you are. It is all God here. Somebody put it this way. He said, Paul was nothing more than a saved sinner turned servant of the Most High God. Apollos was nothing more than a saved sinner turned servant of the Most High God. We are nothing more than saved sinners turned servants of the Most High God. No one should be followers of us. They should be followers of Jesus Christ. And we should not be followers of anybody else. We should only be followers of Jesus Christ. Do you see how Jesus Christ is all about him, and it's always about him, and it always will be about him? All right, so I hope you have been taking stock, some figuring out where you are. Um, If you're feeling confident that you are spiritual, um, that you are walking with God, you have a good relationship, that's okay to feel feel good about that, confident about that. Not cocky about that, but confident about that. That's a good thing. Then if you are, encourage others. Encourage others. If you are what Paul talked about, a natural man, you haven't made a decision yet to follow Christ, or you're beginning to understand. God, let me tell you, God, you're here this morning because God is wooing you. You're here because God has been talking to you in a heart in some way that you're here on a Sunday morning. And he's, he's asking you to make a decision to deny yourself, to confess that you haven't been following him, and making a decision to follow him, accept the sacrifice of his, his son Jesus as your Lord and Savior, paying the price for your sins that you might have eternal life with him. So you could be that natural person. Or if you are a little troubled, you feel like maybe you are going through the motions or perhaps you feel like the world has too much of a pull on you. The busyness of life has taken over any you know, time that you really have with, with God. You feel this, this backwardness in your walk. Your priorities are out of balance. You spend six hours a day on Facebook. You know, whatever it is, you know, technology, sports is so important to you. Your family is so important that, that, that you engage with everything there before you engage uh, with your father. Which one are you? Be sober about this, guys. Take stock. I just want you to think. Take stock. Where are you? Now, we're going to finish up helping 
with some course corrections, okay? By talking about why transformation stalls in our life, and then, and then in this way we talk about it, we're going to kind of give you some answers and, uh, to help us out. So this is our application time, okay? So we are um, talking about this because no matter where you find yourself in your life as a believer, in the continuum we described either natural, spiritual, or, or, or carnal, or fleshly person, we all at one time or another, in our process of transformation as believer, we are going to find ourselves stalled. And so to be an effective believer and witness for Christ, we need to know how to get unstuck or unstalled. Okay? Now I got some of this outline on this part of things from uh, a transformation from a guy named Thomas Rayner. And so we're going to walk through this. And so number one here, as we try to get a little uh, practical here, is transformation stalls without spiritual exercise. So point one there, if you want to write that down, transformation stalls without spiritual exercise. Verse one says that the Corinthian believers, they were acting like babes in Christ. They had Christ, but they were neglecting to grow up. They should have been eating solid spiritual food by now, but they needed to stay on spiritual milk because they lacked maturity. Uh, and, And so the only answer to this is spiritual exercise, okay? So I'm going to give you some spiritual exercises here. Number one, and it should be no surprise to you at all, time in God's Word, okay? Well, now you see all of them. That's where we're going, all four of those, okay? Um, I know. Now, some of you just said, oh, gosh, I hear this all the time. You're rolling your eyes, and you're, I know, I know, I know. Ah, But as much as we know this, a good amount of us at times or believers, we starve ourselves. That's the truth. We, we do. How often does it come back to this, and yet we wonder why we get stuck? We wonder why we get stuck, because we, we are not putting God's Word. Now, this is kind of sound like, okay, this is a rule to do, a box to check off. It is not a rule to do. It is not a box to check off. It is a relationship. It's an investment in the person who loves you more than you love yourself, who did something so absolutely amazing by sending his son Jesus Christ to, to die for you. And he said, look, I have a love letter for you. I have a love letter. Will you please read it? How do you know who, who I am? How do you know the heart of me? How do you know how much? Because somebody, you, somebody told you that I, I, I love you? No, I want you to read this letter that I wrote to you personally. I love you. You're the best thing that walks on this planet. And I sent my son to die for you. We have to. This has to happen. Sunday mornings is not enough. We can't go that deep in 30, 40 minutes or however long we go. Uh, Small groups, you add that. That helps. It's better. You know, hopefully you do some Bible study together. But you and me personally, in the Word, is the best thing that we can do. We all know that we cannot be transformed without the truth. And so timing God's Word is a necessity. And leaving that out in our personal lives, um, you know, it's a quick path to hitting the wall. It's a, it's, it's a slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. Okay. Second exercise. Any guesses? Huh? Any guesses? Good. All right. Okay. Prayer. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. With prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, we talked about Ruthie a little bit just before. Um, 
there's a, uh, there, they have, there's a thing called a group me app. Anybody have, anybody know, familiar with that? Um, and uh, they go now to awaken our sister church. And there are prayers going up 24 hours. Boom. My group me app, if I don't turn it off, it's buzzing. Bzz, 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 especially if something's occurring. And these saints, they're just praying and praying and praying and praying because they know that God hears them. So prayer. Uh, third, exercise. Sharing the gospel. Yep. Talking to other people about the love of your life, okay? This keeps us on point. It reminds us of what God has done for us and what the gospel can do in our lives. Uh, and, it has, and when we share what God has done in our life, it has this really neat effect on us. It challenges us. It gets us excited. It reminds us of what he did in our lives. Fourth exercise is serving. Uh, and this is where we get to be the image bearers of Christ, Okay? We get to be the hands and feet of Christ. When we do the work of ministry, not only does it feed others, but it feeds us. And you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. God does some amazing things in our hearts as we, we, we serve. Okay, second big item. Transformation stalls with selfishness. It stalls with selfishness. The Corinthians, they displayed this when they were taking sides and they were boasting about who they were from, whether it was, was Paul or Apollos or, or, or Peter. And so the focus was, uh, was about them. They wanted to be known as an important person because of who they hung out with. And so what was evidence we see there? We saw je- envy and jealousy. Um, I'm not going to go into those things, but just to know that, that the selfishness creeps up in our lives. And so how do we counteract selfishness? What is, what is the root of all sin, basically? Pride, which is ultimately selfishness. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can tie it all back, uh, back to that. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Uh, excuse me. No, I want Philippians 2, 3, and 4. That's what I want. Okay? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. That's an attitude. There's an attitude. Count others as more important than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, so you don't drop completely who you are, but also for the interests of others. And so that's how we combat um, selfishness, by thinking of others. Band, our worship team, you guys ready? Want to come on up? We'll try to get this done. Guys, uh, we got some baptisms coming, so very excited about it. And so let me see if I can walk us through this last little part here. Um, trans- number three, transformation stalls when we live like the world. Take a look at uh, me again at the end of verse three. It says, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Or are you not fleshly and living like ordinary people? And at the end of four, are you not being merely human? Ah, man. This is an indictment of those believers who have stifled transformation that had begun with them with the gospel being placed into their, their lives because they began to think and act like the world and they were no different. One of the greatest indictments against us or believers or can be, not necessarily us all, but can come into the life of a Christian is that we have settled for an ordinary life, which is an ordinary life. Just an ordinary life. It's no different. Yeah, I go to church. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. But, man, I just got an ordinary life. I'm so, so stuck in this world, so stuck in my job, so stuck in my, my dreams and my aspirations that uh, nobody really knows anything different. I'm stuck. 
and I've settled for an ordinary life. Folks, life is too brief to live like the world and to deny our position of who we are in Christ. Giving our lives over to God's power each day, uh, this is the path to experiencing transformation in our lives. So finish here. Let's finish here. Have you taken stock of where you are this morning? Number one, spiritual. Are you the spiritual person? If so, that is awesome. Keep it up. And will you come alongside somebody who you see God prompts you to talk with and to encourage and to help them move if you see them stuck somewhere? Are you perhaps the carnal or fleshly uh, person? Make a commitment to get up off the couch, so to speak, okay? And engage God. Begin exercising. Remember what it was like, and you will get back there again. And or number three, finally, the natural person. You, you, you don't know God yet, and you're here. We talked just a tad about how you can move from a natural person to a spiritual person, and that involves accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross for you, and becoming a new person. Moving from death for all of eternity to life. It's an amazing thing. And if you haven't taken that step, I challenge you right now, uh, just wherever you are, just to ask God to come into your life. Just say you're sorry for your sin, what you have done. And, And he will come rushing in. And he will save you. Just agree that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that he died, he rose from the dead, and he is your Lord. And you then become a new creation, a spiritual person. Let's pray. At this time, we're going to take our our offering too. Lord, thank you for all that you have done in our lives. Lord, thank you for the challenges that you have placed on us, whether we're a spiritual person, whether we're a a natural person, or whether we're this, like the Corinthians, and we're just stuck. Lord, will you move us from that? Will you help us see the truth of who you are, what you've done in in our our lives? Lord, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, I pray that they have prayed to receive you as their Lord and Savior, and that they are a new creation. The old things passed away. pray that you use what Uh, is given here this morning to further your kingdom and your gospel. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.